All right, we're in Second chapter 16. I want you to notice in verse 1 it says, In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign. And he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like uh, the sight of the Lord is God, like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. I want to notice a couple things about Ahaz. He was somebody who obviously was in the line of David. He was king in the southern kingdom, and they typically were the better kingdom during that time. But he was not like his father David. He was not even like his own uh, father Jotham, who was a good king. Uh, you can't really find anything negative said about his father. But Ahaz, it specifically mentions he was like the kings of Israel. And because he was like the kings of Israel, because he followed their ways, one of the things that specifies that he did is he made his son to pass through the fire, where they would literally sacrifice their children to other gods. This was something that Israel struggled with all the time, where they would get caught up in idolatry, they would get caught up in these satanic practices, and eventually they would be murdering their own children. And this is just, it's should be an unimaginable evil, but we can imagine it pretty easy in this country. Our practice uh, that we have in this country, it's only slightly less barbaric when you see the abortion that goes on. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, we just kill them before they're born. They kill them here after they were born. And it was a sacrifice to false gods. And it was horrible, but it's like, why would a king in Judah get to this point? What would make somebody do something so barbaric as to kill their own children? Well, it tells us it was because he was like the kings of Israel. Whenever the kings of Judah would start getting too close to the kings of Israel, they would start doing things like the kings of Israel. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, what made the kings of Israel do such horrible barbaric practices? Well, the Bible tells us if you go back to Leviticus chapter 18, Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 20 it says, And thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch. Neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion defile not ye yourselves in any of these things for in all these the nations are defiled which i cast out before you what in, the reason israel did some of those things is because they didn't drive out the heathen like they were supposed to and they let the heathen rub off on them and what's interesting about this is it started out with them just lying carnally with thy neighbor's wife what did we have going on in like the 60s and 70s we had the sexual revolution didn't we that took place. And then what came after that? Abortion became legalized. Just like in here. We have a sexual revolution. We've got you know, uh, sexual promiscuity going on. We've got sacrificing of children going on right after that. And then the very next thing it says, is, thou shalt not lie with mankind, with womankind. Homosexuality. I mean, what started really getting pushed in the 90s and in the 2000s? Homosexuality. And let me tell you, the next big thing that they're going to do 
And you know what? We used to scoff when preachers would say, mark my word, this is going to happen. We used to scoff. And I said, we don't scoff anymore. You know why? Because it's all happened. And you know what? The stuff with the beast is coming next, folks. That's coming. It's just around the corner. You know, it's, it, there's, there's no doubt about it. But the reason Israel would do these things, they, Israel was constantly warned about the dangers of letting the heathen live among them. And it was dangerous because of the fact that they would learn their ways. And eventually, those things would cleave to them. They were constantly warned about this in the Bible. It says in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 9, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There are some things you have to be taught to do. That are so evil, some evil, demented, satanic person has to teach you to do it. Things like sacrificing your children. Things like homosexuality. These are things you have to be taught. This is why they want to push this stuff in school so much. Because people aren't just going to naturally do these things. They say, well, how come it happened? You know, and, and, you know, people are like, well, how did it happen before? Evil, satanic people taught others to do it. That's how this works. And so he said, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh this son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For in all these things uh, are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. So again, we see in the Bible the dangers of living among the heathen was that they would learn sexual perversion and they would end up with an unnatural affection towards their children. God warned them about that and the Bible proves every one of those things happened because they were not obedient to God in these areas. And in Romans chapter 1, in verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And by the way, you want to know what kind of helped kick off the sexual revolution and all these things. They started out before that getting rid of any mention of God in the public schools, taking prayer out of the public schools, taking the Bible out of the public schools. They had to get God out of everybody's mind so they could teach all this manner of filth that they're doing. And again, the progression that God warned about, we have seen it play out in our country. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And there is no doubt that what we see described here in Romans chapter 1 is where we are in America today. And so we t just this week, we've gotten a glimpse into the hideously ugly truth about a large percentage of women in our country, just at their reaction at the news that it might become more difficult for them to slaughter their babies. I mean, folks, the reaction to this thing, I mean, it, it makes our country look really bad. And, you know, the fact that it's been legal for so long looks really bad. And let me just say this, too. All right? I don't want to get sidetracked with politics, but this is why there's been such a fight for the Supreme Court, because everyone knows that Roe versus Wade 
That decision was a horrible decision that violated everything in the Constitution, that violated everything that the court stands for, and they have needed to keep that court as liberal as possible because they knew if we get too many conservatives in there, certain laws are going to get challenged, and this is going to come up again, and it's going to get shut down. Everybody knew that. And people are freaking out, too, because the same precedent, the same bad type of ruling that allowed Roe versus Wade to go through is what allowed gay marriage to go through. And folks, that, that should get shut down because it's abomination. I get it for all those reasons. But, Lord, but just based on the laws of our own land, that should get shut down fast. And a lot of people are, are freaking out like it's going to. I don't know if it will or not. I sure hope it does. I will say this. Either way you look at it, I think our country's far gone enough that abortion's still going to be a thing in this country, and it definitely will be in a lot of states. But you know what? At least some states might be able to save themselves now and put a ban on these things. And, you know, good for the states that do that. And maybe we, if we get enough states' rights in this country, we can get to the point where we have some place to escape to if we need to escape. And they've been trying to do everything they can to stop that. So don't want to get sidetracked on those things. But, you know, just... Watching people's reaction this week, it was, it's just, it's, it, was, it was absolutely sickening to just see where we are in this country. And so, and, you know, so and what I want to talk about today, and the time of my message, is the modern woman, okay? And let me ask you this. When you think of a modern woman today, what do you think of, you know? And most of you are probably thinking about some of the ones you've seen on television this week. You know, you think of these ones that you can't tell if they are women. You know, that, that's, that's kind of what you think of. You know, these, these women out protesting, you know, freaking out. That just, you know, I mean, I, I, I got to be careful what I say. I'm behind the pulpit right now. I want to keep everything appropriate. But, you know, the picture you have in your mind, and, you know, even when it comes to not a negative one, too. All right. So, for example, too. You know, you can look at a picture of a woman from different time eras, and you can pretty much tell what time era it is, can't you? There's a look that they had in the 20s and in the 30s and the 40s and all that. There's a look that you can typically tell. You know, last week they had a bunch of the wedding pictures here, and, and you know, they were comparing some of the things, you know, like, that, you know, my wife and our wedding, you know, my wife did not know Miss Carrie at all, but there was a lot of similarities in the dresses and the styles and all those things because we got married pretty close at the same time and you know you can typically tell when somebody got married just by how everyone was dressed at the wedding you know though we typically and so not all of it's necessarily bad you can look at certain hairstyles and you can figure out what time era they're in by the hairstyles have you ever seen those you know yearbooks from the 80s where like every female had the big huge bangs that looked like a tidal wave or something it's, it's kind of hilarious watching that stuff. And, you know, the truth is people, they just naturally follow after whatever the societal norms are, no matter how wrong, no matter how impractical or even just plain weird. OK, because, you know, let's think about some of the things that's going on in this country that make absolutely no sense at all. You say, how is this a Mother's Day message? You're going to see it's all it's all going to come together here. All right. But, you know, think about the clothing styles that make no sense. Like skinny jeans, okay? Especially on guys. Guys, why do you want to wear pants that are so tight? How is that practical? 
And even ladies, okay? I'm not a lady. I don't know how, how it, what it is like to be a lady, but that can't be comfortable for you either. I'm seeing a lot, a lot more women, too, wearing these tight pants that they look like they're so tight that they're splitting open, and they've got the big rips in them. And I, I'm not saying that those rips got there because your thighs were so fat. I think they were designed, I think they put those holes there on purpose. How is that practical? But yet, women are doing that. Why? Because that's what everyone does. One of the things that we make fun of in our family, and I see none of it here today, so I can make fun of this right now, but we make fun of and regularly make, uh, you know, mock the e-boy haircut. Just the... That boy that's just got the, goes and gets the perm, it's got the crazy curliness going on in the front. We call it the e-boy haircut. I guess that's what it is. Why people are doing that, I do not know. We were making fun of it not too long ago. And a little bit after that, we saw a family member who, full e-boy haircut. We're like, what in the world? And then, you know, my wife mentioned it being an e-boy haircut. And his mom's like, well, you know, he, he was wanting to do his hair like that, and I wasn't going to let him do it. But then we, I went to the school and saw that all the other boys had their hair like that. Listen, as a guy, I don't understand why you want to have that much hair. I don't know. You know, I'm thankful it takes me seconds to do my hair. And I use some hairspray, and I'm good for the day. And I can't imagine what, how much time it must take to get your hair all curly and poofy and all that stuff that they do. I don't get that. It doesn't make sense. It's not practical. Yet boys are doing this. They're going to a beauty shop and getting a perm. Why? Because somebody said it was normal. Okay. How, how about other things that we do? How about spending $8 for a cup of coffee? Shouldn't we be embarrassed by that? But yet society has told you, advertisements have told you, it's normal to pay that much for a cup of coffee. And instead of it just being a, you know, a special treat that you do, I'm not against splurging every once in a while. Okay? If you want to every great once in a while go to a Fogo de Chao or something like that, that, I think that's okay to do that. I still haven't been to one yet. All right? But if you do that, but if you do that all the time, you know what? You're, you're kind of pampered. And especially, too, when you're not a stinking millionaire. But yet people, you know, and to me, if you're spending $8 a day on coffee, you should be really rich if you're doing that. But yet poor people do it all the time. Why? Because we've been told by advertisers it's okay. That's what society does. And so people do things that don't make sense. Think about some of the past fads that we look back and laugh at. You know, ladies, aren't you glad you're not wearing corsets today and, you know, where you have to tighten, you know, make this, they make it real tight where you can't breathe? That couldn't have been comfortable. That couldn't have been practical. You know, men, aren't we glad we're not wearing those powdered wigs anymore? Why did they ever do that? Why would they ever do something like that? I don't know. It's because, but somebody told them it was normal. Somebody, th- and you know what? People, they don't usually want to stand out. And there are, there's many social or societal rules that people follow without actual written rules being made. And these things are revealed every day by things like dress, you know, uh, hairstyles. And these things, we see these things in churches, in schools. Folks, whoever told ladies it was okay to go out in public and go to Walmart in a pair of yoga pants? You know, there was a time, you know, women would have been embarrassed to do something like that, but somebody eventually told them it was normal and it was okay, and now everyone's doing it. You know, how, how do these things happen? Okay, society changes, and people's thinking on these things change, 
and it's no longer embarrassing anymore, but these things should be. And again, people don't want to stand out. There's typically a look. You can look at a picture of a church service, and you can usually tell what decade it is. Why is that? You know, we're, we're old past Baptists. We never change. Actually, we do. There is. There's a difference in the way the women looked 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And, you know, not all of that's bad. You know, it's, it's okay to keep up with certain, you know, trends, I guess. You know, it's okay to look like you're living in the decade that you're living in. As long as you're not violating any of God's rules and, you know, any, any laws in the Bible. But at the same time, you know, just, you know, anywhere, anywhere you go, people are just trying to conform because people don't want to stand out. And so, you know, how many of you saw the dress code for our church? How many have seen our church dress code? Oh, nobody's seen it. You know what? We don't have one. All right. I, I got to be careful about that. But at the same time, too, you know, there's quite a bit of similarities. Okay? I see a lot of guys wearing ties and, and suits. Okay, how is a tie practical? And how, how is even a suit practical? Okay. I noticed this one too. I just got it. It doesn't have the extra pad in the shoulders. I don't know about that. But, but you know, I can actually move better in it. It's not as tight around the arms and stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe we're going a little more practical in our new modern trends. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know. But, you know, people, they, we, just, we just naturally do some things. So that's a nice thing too. When you have a church... And it has people in it that love the Lord and ladies who want to look like ladies and men that want to look like men. New people, when they come, you don't really have to tell them to do those things. They'll just kind of naturally do them because people don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Nobody wants to look like the only trendy in here and be wearing the skinny jeans and the pink shirt and all that kind of stuff. Nobody, nobody wants to do that with the e-boy haircut. No, you know, no, nobody, nobody wants to do that. So the thing is, we don't like to admit that we all kind of go along with certain societal norms and stuff, but at the same time we do. And so, and while I would, you know, definitely say the average Christian woman today is not like the world as far as, you know, we're not killing our, you know, you're not killing your children, uh, you know, the perverted stuff that's going on. But I will say that many ladies today have been affected mentally and emotionally maybe by the heathen and many women today are struggling emotionally as wives and mothers and i believe it's because we've allowed the heathen to get in our head a lot of women today are feeling unfulfilled incomplete like a failure or something because you have let society get in your head and tell you this is what will make you happy this is what it means for you to be successful and then you're going along your way and you do. You feel like a lesser woman. But folks, I'm here today to tell you society does not know what makes women happy. The, th- think about the women that they're trying to prop up today. Women like Bruce Jenner. <laughs> the, these are the ones. All the women that they're promoting today are actually men. You know, if you're a woman and you want to be a strong, powerful athlete, who are they going to promote? That male swimmer that thinks he's a woman. Who gets who got woman of the year last year? Didn't they give it to that one dude and that's like the health and in charge of all the health and everything? Okay, ladies, I promise you won't be happy being a man. And you know what? Society today, that's all the women they're propping up are actually men. 
And it's because they don't know what makes you happy. But a lot of women, they're like, you know what? I need to try to, I need to, try to compete with these men <laughs> as a woman. And no, you're not supposed to do that. And let me just say, too, when it comes to this, it's not just the fault of the women that they're feeling this way. A lot of it is the fault of the men. I'm talking about the Christian men who have also bought into many of the lies of the heathen about women. There's a lot of men today, intellectually, we hold the correct position on the role of women in society, but we've done a sorry job of exalting that position properly. And in reality, we've kind of contributed in a negative way when it comes to helping in this. And we've got to make sure that we properly represent what it means to be successful and happy in this country. And when we see women who are doing well, you know what? We ought to lift them up. We ought to praise them. And America, like America right now, is so, our, our country is just so messed up on so many levels. America right now is in a state of confusion because they've gotten an inside look into the relationship of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Everybody's talking about that right now. And people don't know what to think because they're seeing, you know, these two are in court. I guess they got divorced and they're suing each other. And it turns out, you know, these people who have riches, they're famous, they've got everything going for them. They're like the role models of society. I mean, these are literally idols in America. And it turns out you listen to their marriage, you see what was going on. These people are low life trash. They just live in mansions. I mean, and they were, they're miserable. They're, I mean, the drugs that they have to take to cope, they're unhappy. And listen, folks, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, these are the type of people that are being propped up to all of us forever. And yet, look at their lives. And it, you know what? It's not much different than a lot of marriages in this country, is it? Not much different at all. And people are shocked. They're confused because these are people who should be happy, yet we see these are miserable people. And I'm going to tell you why. We shouldn't be shocked because what the world promotes does not work. What the world promotes does not bring happiness in any way. And so what we have today, we have the heathen propping up an image or a model of a successful and happy woman. But we have the Bible propping up something completely different. And I believe as Christians, we've got to do a better job of not only showing what a successful woman is, but we need to be giving them the honor that they deserve. And it's our job to make a big deal about this and to accurately represent this role, this role so women will want it. And so let's see what the Bible promotes. Because it's, it's interesting. When you look at what the Bible promotes, you know, it's total opposite of our society. And in the Bible, we see one of the worst things that could happen to a woman was for a woman to be barren. Now, let's look at a few. I'm going to jump around a few scriptures, starting out in Genesis chapter 11. But in Genesis chapter 11, verse 29, it says, And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the, same, the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, and the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. This was a sad thing. This was a grief for Abraham and for Sarah. The fact that she was not able to have children, that she was barren, this was a negative thing. Our country would look at this and say, I don't know, looks right. But no, this was a negative thing. In Genesis 25, in verse 20, it says, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syri- of 
the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Notice Isaac, when his wife is barren, when years go by and she's not able to have children, you know what he did? He went to the Lord and he said, Lord, do something for my wife. She's barren. And you know what? God, God answered and God gave them children. She had twins. Those are the only ones she ever had. But she had uh, Ishmael and Isaac. In Judges 13, in verse 2, it says, And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And you know what? She ended up bearing Samson. And this was, this was a sorrowful thing, being barren. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we all know the story of Hannah. It says, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and all her sons and her daughters a portion. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And not I better unto thee than ten sons. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept, and wept sore. And notice here how, I mean, Hannah was the favored wife. He gave her better gifts than he gave the other wife. But the other wife was able to provoke her and to bring her, I mean, just great sorrow. And she was bitter in her heart. Why? Because she was barren. Didn't matter that she had these gifts. It didn't matter that her husband treated her good and, and loved her even more than he loved his other wife. She wanted a child. And so she went to the Lord and she poured her heart out. She was praying and crying so hard. Eli, when he saw her, he thought she was drunk. Thought something was wrong with her. And you know what I noticed when I was going through this? I think it's interesting. This is kind of another side note. But I, I, never, re I never realized before how many great, mighty men that were used by God greatly in the Bible were men who were born of women who were considered barren at one time. It's kind of an interesting thing. And I do think there's actually some prophetic significance to that. Because if you go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 26... It says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, rejoice, thou barren, uh, that bearest not, and break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she with, which hath an husband. Now ye, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. And that's a quote from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1, where it says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. You want to know what this is a picture of? Barren women having children? It was a picture of Gentile salvation. That's what it was. You had Israel that had all the blessing of God that had all these good things coming their way. 
And then you had the Gentiles where really nothing was going on. But in the end, who did God end up greatly blessing and multiplying? It was the Gentiles. And I believe God was showing us something throughout the Bible as all these barren women would end up having children that God would greatly use. And you know what just kind of shows that salvation, the spiritual nation, those are born about God gets the glory for it. Just like Isaac clearly was a miracle of God. It was nothing through Abraham and Sarah so much. It was a miracle of God. And that's how it is for salvation, folks. It's a miracle of God. It comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from a physical nation. So just kind of an extra prophecy thing there that I just never really noticed before. But God did. Uh, A lot of the great men God used were men born of women that were considered barren at one time. And so the rejoicing of the barren woman is a reminder of the fact that we are. We are dependent on God's blessing in order to be happy. God is the ultimate source of all that is good and all that brings joy. And so we see throughout the Bible, being barren was considered a curse, yet in our world today, it's considered a blessing. We got women today panicking because we're telling people, you, you know, you're not allowed to slaughter the blessing that is coming your way. You know, our society pities a woman that's surrounded with little kids, yet society used to pity the woman who had no children. Isn't it interesting how things have changed? And you know, I have no doubt it's because our society has become very heathen. We, and, and, uh, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 2. So we all know the story of Hannah, and we all understand how you know, she was in great bitterness of soul. She prayed. She told the Lord, if you give me a child... I'm going to give him back to you. And let's look at what she said after her prayer gets answered. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. This kind of sounds like a psalm here, doesn't it? This sounds like one of David's psalms. I mean, she's rejoicing. She's excited. She said, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave. He bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth of the Lord's. And he hath set the world upon them. Does, does she not sound empowered right now? This sounds like an empowered woman. This sounds like a victory, victorious woman. This sounds like a mighty woman speaking right here. I mean, she's talking very victorious. In this passage, what and what made her feel so empowered? God blessed her with a child. That's what brought her joy. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces out of heaven. Shall he thunder upon them? The Lord shall judge the end of the earth and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Boy, you know, we've got all these things trying to promote these women athletes and look at all that they've overcome. Look at all they've accomplished. This sounds like a woman that's accomplished something pretty great. 
We're always trying to put forth these strong, mighty women and look, you know, they can fight too, you know, and women are tough. Women are strong, you know, Wonder Woman type stuff. And, these, you know, these are the things that will empower women. I mean, this lady right here, she sounds like she feels all those ways that they're trying to put out today. And what brought her these feelings? The fact that she was going to give birth to a child. That's what made her feel like Wonder Woman. You know, that's what made her feel empowered, all these things. The fact that she was going to have a child, but she also understood that this joy that she had came from God. We could preach a whole sermon just on her, on her praise that she did right here to God. And so having multiple kids, it was considered a blessing. And Hannah's willingness to give Samuel to the Lord resulted in God blessing her with five more children. And folks, those five children were a reward. A lot of people think, you know, six kids, ladies, you know, you don't, you don't want to have six kids. We've got to have access to birth control. We've got to have access to abortion. Otherwise, women are going to be having, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten kids. Some, you know, that's awful. Really? Who told you that? You know, where, where did you get that idea? Oh, well, you know, understand, you know, if you have kids, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin this. It's going to hurt your career. You're not going to be able to do all the things that empower women. But folks, listen, that's not what makes women happy. And proof of it is the modern woman today. You know, the modern woman today, too, you know, typically she either has an $8 cup of coffee in her hand or alcohol in her hand. You know, the modern woman is on all kinds of drugs, you know, to deal with all her issues and with all her depression and things. But you know what? When one of the marks of a blessed nation, and blessed means happy, it was a one where the women were not barren. We see in Deuteronomy 7.14, God is telling them, if you'll do all these things, I'm going to give you all these blessings. And one of the things he said, he said, thou shalt be blessed above all people, there shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. God said, listen, if you will follow me, I'm going to obey. Or I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make things great for you. And one of the things I'm going to do for you is there's not going to be any barren among you. And you know what? The people in Israel, they looked at that and they thought, this is great. This is a good thing. And we see all these examples of people and it would talk about all these children they had. I remember Obed-Edom, it mentioned, I forgot how many sons he had. He had. But he had a whole bunch of sons, and then it just added in there, for the Lord blessed him. I mean, this was the signs of success, happiness. And so we need to understand, there's what the world you know, puts out or advertises as happiness. And that is that working, you know, short-haired career woman. You know, that's what they do. And they, they look down on the keeper of the home. They look down on the mother. They think we're oppressing women when we, you know, have them, you know, keeping the home, bearing children. They think that's oppressing women. But folks, who do we think knows better? The people who can't figure out what a man and a woman is or God who created men and women. Psalms 113 verse 9. Okay. And again, it's so funny. We read the things that God says, I'm going to do this for you. Meaning, you know, and, and God does this. This is incentive for you obeying me. And our world is so twisted, we think these are bad things.
But no, these are actually good things. These will actually make you happy. He said in Psalms 113, verse 9, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Folks, right here, most people today, they want to figure out how they can stay the barren woman. They think they're oppressed if it becomes more difficult for them to artificially keep themselves barren. That's how they are because the worst thing that could possibly happen to these women is for them to have to be homemakers, for them to have to be keepers of the home. But God said, no, I want to bless you. And one of the things I'm going to do, I'm going to make the barren to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. And part of keeping house is not just keeping this, you know, keeping a museum and keeping things looking nice and the decorations all pretty, which is fine if you do that. It's nice having a pleasant looking home. But it's the fact that you are watching over children, that you are bearing children, that you are feeding children. Folks, there was a time when people looked at kids as a blessing of God. When, and if you had a house full of children, I mean, look at these wonderful treasures that you have. And of course, they're a lot of work. But, the more, but do you also understand one of the things that we thrive on in this country? One of the things people use to brag on themselves is their work and how busy they are. Did you know we need to be busy? But you know, what is it people always got to do? You know, they always, you know, when they send out their Christmas letters, oh, busy, busy, busy. It's been such a busy year. Always talking about how busy they are. But it's always busy, you know, doing this work, running for city council, you know, working at the homeless shelter. You know, it's always those things. But people thrive on their, their busyness. And it's because we do, we need work. We need something that's fulfilling. But folks, what's more fulfilling? Feeding drugged up bums, you know, being a secretary and answering phones or bringing life into the world, educating, educating children, feeding them, loving them, caring for them. And folks, the children, they used to be seen as such a precious and valuable thing too. That woman who had the strength to bear many children was looked at as a woman just highly favored of God that she was able to do it. Because again, some women, you know, they're not able to have children at all or they're not able to have that many kids. It's just, it's a very difficult thing for them. You know, but at the same time too, our society, we have more sympathy on the lady with a whole bunch of kids than with no kids. Why is, why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because we're letting these heathen ch- you know, change our thinking. They're rubbing off on you. And a lot of ladies today, you know, you're, you're watching all the television shows. You're, you're watching the modern woman shows. You're watching The View. You're watching all these things. And then you wonder why you don't fu- feel fulfilled. You think, for some reason, that you would be more successful if you are out working around a bunch of men in a pantsuit than you are working at home wearing an apron around a bunch of children. What, but yet, the Bible tells us it's God that makes that barren woman to keep house. Why did, why did he say that? Because that's what you need. That's what, that's what you've been made for. That's what you will love. That's what will give you the most ful- fulfillment. But you know what? The world says... You know, you're better off with a big, large, empty house than a small, full house. But folks, 
That's a lie. We've got to stop falling for the thinking of the world. Keeping a house, raising kids is supposed to be a wonderful, fulfilling thing. But many don't see it that way. They've been infected by the thinking of the world. And historically, the only time people have ever seen being barren as a blessing, it was like during times of just great wars and famines. We see in Luke 23, 28, but Jesus turning unto them said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountain, fall on us into the hills, cover us. And yeah, you know, I could see it feeling like it was a blessing if, you know, we were being taken over by another nation if we were being killed, if we were starving to death. But folks, that's not happening in this country. People don't want to have children today because they want to be able to spend more time you know, doing the pleasures that the advertisers tell you. You know, Some women, they don't want to have, they don't want to have any children because then they couldn't afford to get that $8 cup of coffee every day. That, you, know, you've been, you think that stuff's more important than actually having children. Let me tell you, that $8 cup of coffee is not going to make you happy. It's not. And, you know, that's because they're going to come out with something more expensive. You're going to be paying $9 for a cup of coffee. So these things don't make any sense. But you know what? We clearly are not in this situation like that right now where we should feel this way. And even then, it was only a relief because of the fact that they knew they wouldn't have to see their children suffer with them. Because nobody wants to see that. You know, nobody wants to see their children suffer and starve. But that is not happening in this country. And many Christian women today, they've been convinced of a lie about what makes a woman happy and successful. And as a Christian, we have got to promote the truth. We have to give honor and praise to the right kind of women. Time Magazine is not going to do it. They're going to keep on making men women of the year. But you know what? We've got to treat our wives. We've got to treat... Our mothers like woman of the year. We've got, we've got to prop up the right kind of women. We've got to promote that. We've got, to, we've got to teach these things. We've got to start seeing these type of people as the more successful ones. You know what? You know, people today, you know, I, I saw a thing a while back where Jennifer Aniston, she was saying something. I, I won't get the quote exactly right, but you know, Brother Austin in Sunday school was talking about how if you're on social media all the time trying to tell somebody how happy you are, it's probably because... You're not really happy, and everybody knows you shouldn't be happy. And I guess some people said something about her, feeling sorry for her, because she's like in her 40s or 50s or something, and she's like never had any kids. And, and the truth is, you know what? And she, So she had to say a bunch of empowering stuff about herself and about how great her life is and everything. You know what? Because even though she's famous, even though she's considered you know, all these things that guys like and that they'll talk about the beauty and all that kind of stuff and still at this age, she looks this way or whatever. You know what? Everyone still knows instinctively we should feel sorry for her. She's never had a good marriage. She's never had any children. She's only just been famous. And we all know Johnny Depp and Amber Heard have helped prove that being famous doesn't make you happy. You know, beauty is only skin deep. And that stuff is only going to get you so far. And you know what? Jennifer Aniston, people like her, are going to have to keep saying, you know, these type of empowering things about themselves. 
trying to convince people that they are happy and that they are successful and that they have just as much worth as every other lady. You know what? No, they don't. Because she's going to die alone. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen with her. And yeah, she'll be filthy rich. You know, she'll probably die in a mansion. But you know what? She's going to she's going to die alone. And I'm here today to tell you that that mother that's got a bunch of kids that love those kids, raise those kids, train those kids. She's a greater success. That's the kind of person that we should be propping up. And so, you know what, men, let's not send the wrong message by talking about the Jennifer Anderson's and paying attention to people like that. These are not what we want. We do not want our daughters being like her. You know why I don't want my daughters being like her? Because I don't want my daughter to be somebody that's got to go out and say dumb stuff to try to convince everyone that she's actually happy. I want a daughter that actually is happy. And I believe God knows where she'll find happiness better than our world does. And so, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to teach that. I want to promote that. And folks, we have to promote it because the world's not doing it. The schools aren't doing it. Where are people going to learn how to be the right kind of woman, the right kind of mother? How are people going to learn where true happiness is? We've got to get it done in the house of God. You've got to do it also in your homes. You've got to practice these things. You've got to promote these things. And I'm telling you, the Bible is always right. And what it is pointing out, what it is propping up, is a polar opposite of what's being propped up in our country today. And you know what? We shouldn't fall for it. And I think it is. You know, here here we are this Mother's Day, and people are making Mother's Day all about not being able to kill your children. I didn't, I didn't even watch it. I saw something about it, but apparently Saturday Night Live did a bunch of stuff last night you know, about this abortion thing. I guarantee you, they threw a fit. They threw a fit. You know why? Because they're a bunch of just liberal, left-wing communists. And they do. The thought, the thought of making a woman be a mother... You know, and let me just close with this too. They always want to talk about the less than 1% of people that are raped and things like that. I think the solution is real simple. Violent public executions for rapists. I think that would solve it. Or they, or rapists who get women pregnant, you give it the choice of the woman. He can have a violent public ex- execution or he's your slave for the rest of your life he's got to pay for everything for your child i think we bring slavery back for rapists if you're a rapist you are a slave or violent execution i think then then that one percent is really going to get low it's going to really get low and but you know what our country it's just it's it's heathen folks and that's why we see in the Bible, we see lying carnally with the neighbor's wife, you see sacrificing your children, you see homosexuality, and then you see bestiality. And it's coming. And you know where, it start, where it's already started? It's already started with this new phenomenon they've got going on in schools where they have these kids that call themselves furries or whatever. And you're supposed to identify them. Some teacher got in trouble for like... I forgot what the details of the story, but you know she 
didn't really acknowledge the fact that this girl was whatever she thought she was and got in all kinds of trouble for it. Folks, our country is sick and twisted. And let me tell you something. You might think, well, I don't believe in that stuff. But you know what? I think most Christians are watching enough of their propaganda through the television, through the news, that if you don't think it's affecting your mind in one way or the other, I think you're delusional. It is affecting people. And you know what? We've got to get back to more of a biblical mindset. And I think we need, as men, let's do our part to lift up and exalt the biblical woman. And I believe that will help a lot. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that this message was a help. Lord, I do thank you for uh, all the wives and mothers that we have in this church and for just the many children. Lord, you have uh, really blessed this church. And uh, we thank you for it. I pray you'll help us to see things the way you do. I pray you'll help us to not learn the way of the heathen. Help us not to follow their ways. Help us not to let them influence our thinking in any of these things, but help us to just see reality for what it is, uh, the way you've explained it in the Bible. And I pray you'll help us to be good examples of these things. In your name we pray. Amen.